the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 30 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning, trust, and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Good afternoon, B Area. I am back live today. If you've been listening the last couple of weeks, you'll know that I have had uh, past shows on, including a, a rebroadcast of my show with attorney Jim Berge here in San Jose. Um, I've been out of commission for a couple of weeks. One of those weeks, I was um, actually down in Southern California with the family, visiting Mickey and his friends. At the same time, I was coordinating the move of my office, uh, which I basically uh, completed officially this past Monday. Uh, I would have been on the air last Friday, but literally I was in the midst of orchestrating the movement of all of my furniture from the old office to the new office, so I couldn't be live on the air. But now... Here I am broadcasting live from my new office in San Jose. Uh, Grab a pen, jot this down. It's at 3535 Ross Avenue, Suite 208, Building 2, San Jose, California, 95124. It's on Ross Avenue, right near the intersection with Hillsdale Avenue, which is a short distance away from where Hillsdale Avenue breaks and enters into Camden Avenue. So right there in the Cambrian Park area near the Cambrian branch of the the um, public library. And for me, the best of possible things is five minutes from my children's school. This means I'll be able to drop them off in the morning, get to my office in five minutes, which will enable me to start my work day earlier and will able enable... Oh boy. I'm sorry. I'm tired. It's been a long week. I, as I have found moving heavy boxes and furniture and things like that, I'm getting kind of too old for that stuff. And uh, I have felt the last few days like I've been hit by a Mack truck. And then those of you who are older and if you've moved a bunch of heavy stuff, you know what I'm talking about. You younger people out there, I hope there's some young people listening. Um, this is what you have ahead for you in the future as you get older. It gets harder and harder to move heavy stuff around. So, anyway, I'm back live now. I'm in my new office. I've got my first seminar in my new office, my Living Trust seminar, that will be tomorrow morning, starting at 8.30. I have a dedicated seminar room in my new office that's always set up with my seminar chairs and my large TV to broadcast my PowerPoint. It's really, really nice. And I can also take up to 18 people now 
where I was kind of limited to 15 before. So it's bigger, permanently set up, and I'm actually broadcasting from my new seminar room right now, live. Now, I want to let you know that you can call in if you have any estate planning questions. I will take questions on the air. The number is 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. If you want to register for my seminar tomorrow, you can go to lawbob, L-A-W-B-O-B dot com, and click on the link, on the link that's at the bottom of the top banner on the page, which will take you through into eventbrite.com, where you can register for my seminar tomorrow, or you could register for one of my upcoming Living Trust or Retirement Plan Trust seminars that will be coming up later in March and also in April. I've got several dates and times up there right now. Continuing on with my practice for the last 10 or 11 months here since I the show went on the air, it's hard for me to believe it's it's coming up on a full year. I hope if you've been listening, you've been enjoying it. You've let other people know about it. I know I'm getting more and more feedback from people who are listening to the show. Even a client of mine who said that his accountant listens to the show all the lines, all the all the time. So that's kind of neat. I hope you're learning things, and I hope I'm both educating and entertaining at the same time. Continuing on with my practice of the last several months, I'm going to go around the state and I'm going to find situations that people have asked about and they're looking for assistance and input from an attorney such as myself. So I'm going to share several of those with you here today. And in the process, hopefully you'll learn some things, you'll be entertained, and you may hear your own situation coming by. Here is a situation out of Southern California, and this is probably not uncommon at all. This person's saying, my aunt and uncle moved in to, quote, take care of my grandfather. My aunt and mother are on grandpa's bank account. My aunt now takes care of all his finances. On numerous occasions, she's taken his money for purchases and then says she didn't mean to use that account. She's currently transferring funds to her account and says it's to deplete his account so he can qualify for Medi-Cal. Medi-Cal is government-assisted payments for long-term care. Now she wants to get power of attorney over him with my mother as a secondary. I'm fearful that she's taking his money and will not do right by him. What can I do to protect him and my mom for the future assets to be received when Grandpa passes? He's 95 years old, and he is coherent, but he's easily swayed by my aunt. Well, what this person has described could very well be a classic case of what we call elder financial abuse. If his aunt is taking money out of his grandfather's account to buy things and then saying, oops, made a mistake, that's bad enough. But if she's taking money out of his account and putting it in her own account, to deplete his account so he could qualify for Medi-Cal, that's pretty much just stealing. There are proper ways to do Medi-Cal planning. One of them is definitely not to just take money out of somebody's account and then hope that later on you can apply for Medi-Cal and say, look, he doesn't have any money. The fact is the money is coming out and it has to be accounted for 
if Medi-Cal is applied for within 30 months of um, 30 months back in time from when these monies were being transferred. I can pretty much guarantee right now that this aunt has no authority to be taking money from the grandfather and putting it in her own account. And what I would likely do is recommend that the family consider um, telling her, first of all, to drop drop out of doing this. But then the other thing is, if she refuses to do that, it may be time to go to the uh, financial elder financial abuse unit of the district attorney's office in the county wherever this is located. Now here, here's another situation. Parent passed away. Parents' will says all the children share and share alike, which means everyone gets an equal share. However, four bank accounts, an annuity and an IRA, were left to one of the children as sole beneficiary. Can anyone sue to enforce the will? Well, this is not an uncommon situation at all. In fact, when you name beneficiaries on bank accounts, annuities, IRAs, life insurance, things like that, the person you named is entitled to receive that asset and your will has nothing to do with it. A lot of people think they can change their beneficiary designation uh, by making a will that says something different, but that's not really how it works. And I, I think... Uh, If the intention of the parent was to have this person have money so they could then distribute it to the other siblings, that was not the right way to do it. And um, the other siblings may be out of luck unless the one getting all the money decides to split it up and follow the wishes of the parent as expressed in the parent's will. So we're coming up on the first break today. Um, Like I said, I want to let you know that I do have my first Living Trust seminar in my new office tomorrow morning at 8.30. You can register through eventbrite.com. I do have room available. I have about six or seven people registered so far. I'd like to get more, but I'll talk with you more after the break. This is Bob Bergman. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio. Once again, your host, estate planning trust and probate law specialist, attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back, Bay Area. I hope you uh, had a chance to do some important things during that break. Uh, I was just having a little chat with the with my engineer today, Mike, um, making sure we had levels proper. Uh, we boosted the gain a bit, so maybe it's a little easier for everyone to hear me now. Um, but uh, let's get on with the rest of the show here in the second segment. Now, here's a question, and... I have this come up actually fairly frequently. People ask me about a durable power of attorney and what you can do with a durable power of attorney, uh, not only when somebody's alive, but a lot of people want to know, what can I do if I have a durable power of attorney after the person's died? And uh, here's the question. If your brother dies intestate, meaning doesn't have a will or an estate plan of any kind, and you have a durable power of attorney, can you sell his car and close his bank account? The answer is, nope, you can't. Uh, Now, you could sell his car if you're the one who's going to inherit from him under the law, and you could actually do paperwork with the DMV to establish that, but the durable power of attorney is not going to help you at all. 
You also could close his bank account if you were on as a co-owner of the bank account. So now it's your bank account. But if you're just on that bank account with signing authority and your brother has died, uh, first of all, you have to communicate that to the bank. And then what happens is they freeze everything. A power of attorney for financial matters, what we call the durable power of attorney for finances or a general durable power of attorney, only has effect when the person who granted the power is still alive. Now, there's another type of power of attorney which can be found in the Advanced Healthcare Directive called the Healthcare Power of Attorney. And that power of attorney can actually have some authority that goes beyond the death of the person who granted the power in the first place. And the reason for that is so that the agent named in a healthcare power of attorney could do things like authorize an autopsy, uh, authorize cremation or other services, and could also authorize the release of medical records of the person if there's a concern that maybe there was medical malpractice or something similar to that. But a financial power of attorney authority ends the moment the person who granted the power dies. So I know there's a lot of confusion out there, but uh, that hopefully has cleared it up for anybody who's thinking they can use mom or dad's power of attorney to handle things after they've died. You cannot, uh, or legally you cannot. And if you do that, um, if you don't tell the bank and you just go and you, you kind of clear out the account or something, that could cause problems for you later on down the line. Now, here's someone uh, up from uh, Marin County here in the Bay Area, about 55, 60 miles north of where I'm at right now, wants to know, how can we make changes to our living trust? One beneficiary has passed. We wish to include his two children and a sister who was not included previously. There are also address changes to bring things current. Well... Making a change to a trust is generally called an amendment to the trust. You can either take the specific section of the trust and draw up an amendment that says, I hereby change it, uh, change this section to say this, and instead of what it said before, um, I would not recommend scratching something out on the trust document itself and writing in something by hand. I know people, I've seen people do that. It's a very bad idea because what you've done is probably successfully indicated your intention to delete something, but writing something in by hand, unless you're crystal clear about what it is, you may end up with an ambiguity in the document that can only be resolved by going to court and having a judge decide what did you really mean. My recommendation is don't try to make changes to your trust on your own. Use an experienced estate planning attorney to do that for you. In the process, you might very well find out that the trust planning that you have is not really what you and your family need, and there may be something different or much, much better that should be considered. Now, following up on trusts in general and issues with trusts, Here's a question. I'm sure this has happened to someone or you know someone out there that this has happened to. 
What do you do when you lose your original living trust? Okay, I've lost my trust. I need to update it. I'm not sure what to do. Um, So here's the deal. If the attorney that prepared your trust originally is still around and still has the raw document stored, the actual uh, Word document stored, you could recreate the trust as a what's called an amendment and restatement, meaning that you just kind of publish the trust all over again, exactly the way it was before. You call it an amendment and restatement, but it says the same thing. Now you have an original trust all over again. If you don't have things that are owned by this trust that you lost, well, then you might as well just completely start over and do a whole new trust and then put property that you own into that new trust. But in general, um, if you find yourself in this situation where where an original trust is lost, is if there's a photocopy, that's probably good enough. Um, and if all you have is an unsigned copy, then it's then you can redo it yourself. But it's but if it's after someone has died, and all you have is an unsigned copy of their trust, it may very well be possible to go into court under a section of the law called Probate Code Section fifteen four zero three. Excuse me, not fifteen four zero three, seventeen two hundred, and actually request that the trust be recreated by the court. If all the people in the original trust document agree to it, you could get a court to sign off on having that unsigned copy be the actual trust document and kind of revive the trust that was lost. That's kind of an extreme thing to do, but it is possible. So hope is out there. I just want to let you know if you're in this situation, there may very well be a way to resolve it. And I'll tell you, if the family's all together on how to resolve it, I could even assist you anywhere in the Bay Area or the state of California. Doesn't matter where the trust was, doesn't matter where the person who created it lived here in California. I can help them here in San Jose, and I can go to court and help get that fixed for you. So we're coming up on the second break of the show. If you have any questions and you'd like to talk with me and ask questions, it's 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. And uh, Daphne, if you're listening, I did get your email at radio at lawbob.com. And I'm working together an answer to your question. Hopefully I'll get it to you in the next couple of days or so. So... Coming up on the mid-show break, after the break, we'll continue with more issues and comments from around the state. Until then, this is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. I'll talk with you after the break. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back. I was just chatting with um, with Mike, my engineer, uh, about working about four years ago when I had a show, Law Bob Radio, and then he recalled that he uh, he uh, actually recorded. He was in the studio there when I did some of my first shows, and he was my engineer. He was new with the 
with the uh, Salem Media Group at that time, just like I was. So here we are again. It's, you know, it's old home week. Um, back on the air together. So uh, let's see here. Uh, let me look here and see something interesting. Ah, here's someone wants to know... Um, how do I go about getting a certificate of independent review? Let me explain what that is. When someone creates an estate plan, and this is especially when someone is older, you know, considered a senior, I believe in the law it's over age 65, it could be younger, but I think it's age 65, and they decide that they're going to leave significant money or property to someone who is not an immediate relative, like a spouse, a child, a grandchild, brother, sister, parent, something like that, uh, someone who is a caregiver for them, uh, meaning maybe the person who comes by and makes their food and takes them to the doctor and helps them bathe and and uh, toilet and all those kinds of things. Um, a certificate of independent review is basically a review by an attorney interviewing the person that wants to leave the substantial money or property to a caregiver uh, to make sure that they're not being unduly influenced, that they're not being threatened in some way, that they're not being tricked into giving property to this person who's not a blood relative. Uh, And it's basically to have assurance that their wishes will be carried out after they've died because their wishes, as expressed, for example, in a trust, uh, have been independently reviewed by an attorney who has indicated that, yes, this person does exactly know what they're doing and I don't see any problem with what they're doing. They're not being unduly influenced or anything like that. Crucial, if the value of the property or money that's being given exceeds $5,000. Now, if it's, I leave $2,000 to um, my caregiver, Lupe, who has, you know, helped me out for the last five years and I want to I leave her some money, that's not a problem. But if, but if Lupe is going to get $50,000, that's where a certificate of independent review might very well come in. Um, now, there are people that will come into people's lives and they'll start taking over and start being caregivers and they'll trick people or convince them to leave everything to them because, you know, after all, what is, what is your own family done? Well, the family may live on the other side of the country. They can't exactly be there every day to take care of mom or dad. But there are people, as you might imagine, that are trying to do that. They're trying to get a hold of substantial assets that that way. If the person's a caregiver, the presumption in the law is that any gift over $5,000 was obtained by duress and is presumptively invalid. And then you'd have to overcome that presumption. The way to overcome that presumption is the Certificate of Independent Review. So, this was in the context of someone saying their husband's a trustee and beneficiary for a friend of their estate, but he's not a blood relative. The friend has no children of his own, but has three nieces that the friend wants nothing to do with, and they're not named in the friend's trust at all. 
So the question was, how do we protect ourselves when the friend passes from these nieces coming back and attacking this? Well, there's your answer. The Certificate of Independent Review. Here in San Jose, I do those um, I do those kind of as a matter of course for my colleague Jim Berge, who was on my show a few weeks back. And uh, when I need one now and then for my own clients, I send my client to Jim to interview and have him do the independent review. We figure that between the two of us, with both of us being certified specialists in estate planning with many, many years of experience, the ability of someone to successfully attack an estate plan prepared by either one of us and independently reviewed by the other one is going to be almost impossible to break um, because we know what we're doing and we know what the law is and we want to make sure for those people that want to leave substantial money or assets to caregivers who might even just be personal friends um, that they want to benefit that those gifts are actually carried out and they don't have to worry that they're going to pass away and their family's going to come in and, and be able to overturn everything. So, moving on. Okay, here we go. Trustee of my children's irrevocable trust has resigned. Nobody has a copy of the trust document. What can I do? The money for the trust is in a bank in one city. I live in another city and would like to transfer the funds, but I have no control over them. Can I amend the trust? I need the documents. Can I leave the money in the first bank and appoint a trustee there? All really good questions. All the questions are can be answered by, you might have to go to court to get this fixed. Amending the trust, probably not. Um, the key, though, is where does anybody have a copy of this trust document anywhere? Do you know who drafted it? Did an attorney draft it? Did they have a copy? Uh, does the bank have a copy of the trust because there's money in the bank? Did the bank ask for a copy of that irrevocable trust when the account was open? That might be another place to start. Uh, but it may be that we're talking another probate code 17200 petition in order to recreate that lost trust, maybe also put in successor trustees and provisions to appoint successor trustees and then have somebody take over as the trustee so that the money in the bank can actually be accessed and moved around by someone who is now appointed by the court as the trustee of that trust. Now, here we go. Here's another situation. I'm the beneficiary of a trust. I need to request a copy of the trust document. Okay? Sounds pretty straightforward. Here's the deal, though. It's mom's trust. Mom has Alzheimer's, and the sister is in charge of the trust and also has power of attorney. So this other child wants certain documentation to be produced to try to keep out of major litigation. Here's the deal. Um, as long as mother is alive, even though she has Alzheimer's, no beneficiary of the trust who would inherit when mom dies has a right to a copy of the trust right now. This is because um, that's pretty much how the law works. 
um, if there's a concern that the sister might be doing something kind of um, phony baloney with the trust, well, then the appropriate action to take is to get the authorities involved. But you can't really get a copy of the trust document itself while the trustor, who's the creator of the trust, is still alive. Not unless the trustor decides to give you a copy. But if the trustor has Alzheimer's, the trustor does not have any ability to say, uh, give my daughter or give my son a copy of my trust. Now here, my brother and his ex-wife have been divorced for about two years. He recently came into a large inheritance, and this person wants to know, can his ex-wife be his power of attorney, meaning his agent under a power of attorney, and making financial decisions? The short answer to that question is yes. If he if he, if he trusts his ex-wife to handle his financial decisions, just the fact that they're divorced doesn't mean that somehow they have no right to interact anymore forever and ever. Uh, they're basically unmarried people. Uh, if he trusts his ex-wife uh, to be the financial agent on the power of attorney, of course he can name her as his agent. Um, I do have some of my clients, for example, that are on very good terms with their ex-spouses, even uh, own property together as uh, in business, even have business operations together. Um, so, of course, it's possible. And yes, it's perfectly legal to do that. Now here, um, I'm going to see if I can get this one in before the next break. Can my mom throw out a living trust she made 40 or more years ago with her deceased spouse? Well, the short answer is, if the trust left everything to mom and did not require a division of the property when her husband died, then yes, she could start all over again. If it requires division of the property, what we call an AB trust, then the only way to really throw it out is to go to court and request that that uh, the requirement that it be divided be removed from the trust. That could be done by mom and all of the remainder beneficiaries of the trust agreeing. That's something else I assist people with from all over the state. These people are in Goleta. I could help them out with this. So we're coming up on the third break of the show. After that, we'll be heading into the home stretch. Uh, if you want to give a call, it's 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Until then, um, I'll be talking to you after the break. This is attorney Bob Bergman, and uh, we'll be back in a few minutes. Back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Welcome back for the fourth and final segment of the show today. Uh, Still a chance to call if you have any questions, 800-516-1220. You can also uh, email questions to me that I can respond to over time. Radio at lawbob, L-A-W-B-O-B dot com. So I'm going to try and cover a few more situations before we call it a day. Uh, This one right here um, comes out of Ojai, California. 
Um, some of you may know where Ojai is. I, I've actually been there before at a at a conference a number of years ago. Um, it says, I'm trustee of a trust where the trustor is now incapacitated. The house is a rental property and the trustor's main asset. Because of maintenance needs, including new appliances, uh, one renter evicted, house was trashed, needs to be cleaned up. Can I get a home equity line of credit or loan for improvements and cleanup? The house is in the trust, fully paid for, no mortgages or liens. The short answer is probably fairly easily because it's a rental property and you can demonstrate cash flow that would be there to pay back any loan. If you're the trustee of the trust, you will typically, if the trust is well written, you'll have the authority to borrow against trust assets, including the rental property. You can then take out, uh, maybe get a line of credit or a home equity line of credit. So you only draw against it as needed to maintain the property, replace appliances, things like that. May, may need a new roof someday. So yes, you can do that and rely on the income of the rental property itself for the payback. You may find there's a lot of lenders that will be very happy to loan in that situation because the property is owned free and clear and because the property is located, let's see, where is it, Um, in Ojai, which is, near as I can remember, it can actually be a fairly upscale area and uh, a lot of people, a lot of celebrities have properties in the Ojai area. So here, my girlfriend and partner and I own a car and have a bank account together. If one of us dies, what problems might the other have? Okay, it says we have no legal partnership. I assume by that they mean no registered domestic partnership. We each have children. I have a living trust that does not include this car or bank account. Well, if you own the car together and have a bank account together and you and you literally own it together, then one dies then that car and the or the and the bank account will go to the survivor of the two. It's probably a joint tenancy account, uh, which means that the survivor now owns everything. So there shouldn't be any particular problems there. Um, Without more information, I I couldn't really say if if there could uh, actually be more problems for that. So here, um, the witnesses for your last will and testament what of the two witnesses that signed your, your last will and testament, uh, which was a pour-over will supporting a revocable living trust? What if they can't be reached? So what if they've died? Is, is it going to affect the execution of your trust upon your incapacitation or death? Well, if we're talking witnesses on the pour-over will, that's not relevant directly to a living trust. If the living trust owns property... The will never really comes into play unless the will needs to be used to get property into the trust that for some reason was not titled or payable to the trust when the creator of the trust had died. Um, That can be done through the court system. It's called a Hegstat petition. If you've listened for a number of months now, I've talked about Hegstat petitions in the past. Uh, I'm literally right now in the process of doing uh, three Hegstat petitions. 
that are for uh, people from around the state. I actually submitted two last week and got court orders. So I do a lot of these. Uh, The pour over will, not really important. If you come through me, uh, not important to find the witnesses to the will, as long as all the people whose interests are affected agree that the pour over will should actually be used um, should actually be used um, to support getting that property into someone's living trust. Well, we're coming up on the end of the show today, and I've enjoyed doing these shows tremendously over the last uh, several months, 10, 11 months now, and I hope you've enjoyed them as well. I want to encourage you, if you have questions, email me at radio at lawbob.com. I will answer them as they come in as quickly as I can. If you want to find out more about living trust planning and the great things that we can do with living trust planning, well, I have one of the seminars, my living trust seminar, in my office tomorrow morning starting at 8.30. Go to eventbrite.com. Look for the living trust seminar with Robert Bergman on it, and you can register for it there. Make sure you have a spot assured. I have great handout materials to give to everyone. I have uh, I have water to give out, and I'll probably also have some Girl Scout cookies tomorrow, uh, from, because my my girls are Girl Scouts and they sell those cookies. So, go to Eventbrite, register for the Living Trust seminar. Hopefully, some of you listening will come tomorrow. I've had a good time today. It's good to be back live on the air. I hope you've learned some things. I hope you've uh, found out some things that will help you and your family in your lives. So, until next week, this is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman, your host for Plan Your State Radio. Talk with you next week. You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com, where you'll also find information on his upcoming estate planning seminars, L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com, or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership staff or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.